G'day, g'day, and welcome to episode 13 of the Turning Signals podcast with brother and sister team Liam and Zoe Shuttleworth coming to you live from southwestern Australia. How was that? Very good. Very professional. professional. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Almost as if it was rehearsed. Yeah, I didn't rehearse it. Wow. Lots um, going on at the moment. Heaps. As ever. Yes. I, I guess it's been a while, maybe two weeks since we've sat down. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was kind of wondering, I made a short list of topics and then I kind of ended up researching like four things. So right. I guess we'll see where it goes today. We haven't sure. even discussed what we're going to discuss. No. So interested to know what you got there. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, I... There's, as you say, so much going on. I guess um, I've been thinking a bit about Sri Lanka. Okay. And about Boris Johnson. Yes. And about the assassination of the former Japanese PM. Mm-hmm. Is that common ground for you anywhere? Uh, no. None of those things, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Which is good because, yeah. Yeah. We can, I mean, I can speak to all those, I suppose. Sure. Well, what about you? What have you got? Um, I got Elon Musk not buying Twitter. Yeah. Oh, the Dutch protests. Oh, yeah, the tractors. Yes, yeah. the Dutch farming Very farmers good. protests. Yeah, cool. Which have now spread throughout Europe. Yes, um, I Again, heard that. so yeah. that's fantastic. It is. And then actually I, you know, there's an issue that I kind of want to put to bed a little bit. So I thought today I would take the opportunity to talk about it. Um, the issue I titled gay shit. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, just, I'd kind of want to close the discussion a bit on, you know, maybe just make my case okay. for the LGBTI alphabet situation. Sure. Just so that I can move on with my life. Okay. Um, and then, also, I wanted to talk about climate change because, oh, yeah. it, you know, it's it's hot right now. You know, it's very hot in Europe, Northern Hemisphere, mm. smashing like records. Yeah. It's bloody cold in Australia. Yeah. You know, Northern, you know, Queensland is breaking records and how yeah, cold it right. is. So there's that. And I actually, you know, in looking through articles and things on climate change discussion, it relates to so much of like, you know, the... The New World Order and yeah. Schwab and Co. and what mm. their plans are. It's kind of one of their instruments, I think, like the Climate Change Inc. Mm. And also it's kind of fitting, you know, at this time in history, the age of Aquarius, you know, Pluto transit. I think it's kind of fitting that we should, the climate is changing quite rapidly and, yeah. you know, there's a drama there that is as above, so below. So. Sure. Yeah, how does that sound? Yeah, good. You can kick off if you like since you've got something in particular you want to say. Where should I start? Do you want to start with your gay shit? All right, I'll get it out of the way. So three years ago maybe, I like glimpsed an argument. I couldn't quite articulate it in my mind, but it, I like got this kind of thing about, I was like, why doesn't it make sense that people who are queer slash like non-binary mm. are really into like changing their sex? Like I just couldn't follow the kind of, it just, I was confused by that. 
And just like last week or so, I was listening to an old Tim Dillon episode. Um, and he interviewed a, a gay woman, gay cis woman, who at that time, well, she just moved away from being a professional writer and had moved into the realm of podcasting. She has a podcast called Blocked and Reported. Let me just get her name. I <laughs> Great research. <laughs> um, so her name's Katie Herzog, Seattle-based journalist. Yeah, so her, her podcast called Blocked and Reported. Um, she lost her job. She was writing for a like an extreme leftist publication. And, you know, she was a really well kind of regarded professional writer but she wrote an article about um it was the first article that was published for this particular magazine she was writing for and it was about Mm detransitioning and it made you know the case you know the argument that she put together about detransitioning supported by statistics you know very good writer led to people like making bomb threats on her house the office that she worked in, um, yeah. So Tim Dillon interviews her. Um, it's oh, it's over two years old. This interview, mm-hmm. it's about two years old now. But I'm just gonna play. She absolutely like sums up my argument. She articulates it. So I'm gonna play it for us. Okay. Thank you. When you see the growth of something like non-binary, where people are identifying as queer and they say I'm identifying as non-binary, and many of them are white uh, middle class college students that you know this seems to be and that's not all of them but you know at schools like Oberlin and Wesleyan and places like that people are identifying as non-binary how much of that because to me and I'm on Patreon I, I don't have to I can do whatever I want a lot of it to me seems like a uh, an identity crisis that's not really rooted in any true gender dysphoria as much as it's rooted in a socio-political understanding of the world and a desire to be uh maybe in a protected or or a a desire to be in a a group of people that's not seen as the oppressor and how how much of this is a phase and how how many of these people grow out of that non-binary distinction and then just live either regular heterosexual or homosexual lives I'm not sure that this has been studied, and I think that the phenomenon is probably too young or too new to to have good data on that. Um, but I agree with you. I find that personally, I find the concept of non-binaryness incredibly regressive because it presupposes that there that if you're not non-binary, if 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 you're non-binary, then what am I? Does that make me binary? And it relies on these stereotypes, right? So if you talk to people and you say like, uh, all right, and I've I've done this, I, I have a a lot of friends who identify as non-binary and trans now more actually every day and not because I'm meeting new people. So, um, and I've had these conversations with my friends. So, so explain to me, like, what does it feel like to be non-binary? And they'll say, and I use they as both the singular and the plural in this case. Um, well, you know, sometimes I, when I wake up, I, I, I feel like a man and sometimes I feel like a woman. All right, well, what does that mean? Or I feel like neither. What does that mean? Well, sometimes I want to wear masculine clothes and sometimes I want to wear femme clothes. And so to me, that's just reinforcing stereotypes that I think both men and women would be better off rejecting. Um, And so that's my problem with with the idea of non-binary. I think it just reinforces... So, yeah, that that was kind of what I was really trying to articulate Mm. back then. Yeah. Because what I, you know, studying quite a lot of gender and mm. shit in, you know, at uni, mm. what I really took away was, and it seemed that the trajectory at that time was breaking down 
like the stereotypes. Right. What are acceptable behaviours for men and women? And why is that? And problematizing that. Mm. And I thought that that was really like reasonable and useful mm. because with that, you can really go into the terrain of having men having feminine traits and yes. doing things that are more feminized mm. and vice versa. That, yeah. you know, there's women who want to be plumbers yeah. and shit, you know, <laughs> like, and that's, and that's the world that we're moving into. That's yes. the 21st century. It breaks down those stereotypes, absolutely. but absolutely like this trans movement, mm. it reinforces the binary. Mm. Um, yes, I got more to say. I just wanted to, Tim Dillon makes the funniest like argument at the end of this, which I'm just going to play and then I'll just come back. Paglia talks about this when you look at like what the because the, there was a lot of similar ideas happening but it was all about sensory experiences and LSD and the body and people fucking and free love and Hinduism and like you know expanding your mind and then you look at this revolution and it's all about like nitpicking language and like a very churlish secretarial uh, you know weird bureaucratic sexless fearful existence and you're like whoa they got everything wrong they took like everything from the 60s and now it's like they took the bad shit they took all the bad shit now it's people just chewing their tongues on Adderall going on tweet threads it's like crazy and what's scary is what's next that's what's always scared me I'm like is violence next because it seems like everywhere in the culture from celebrities to the media there is just a it's violence is being excused and even like in certain corners of the media agitated and like requested Right, it's justified because it's violence in the name of of a righteous cause. You know, it's it's. It, I don't think people have are very aware of like recent history and, you right. know, around the around around the world. It's not. It's not like any of this is new. Yeah. <laughs> he's got a way, man. Like, he does. Yeah, he's quite insightful. Um, but and and that's how I feel. I mean, I feel like that's kind of where we're headed on this issue. Yes. Um. I'm talking out of order for the... I did actually construct a little essay here, but I'm just going to go organically. Mm. This, like, stupid TikTok clip came across, like, my news feed, I think, on Instagram. It was reposted on a conservative page that I follow. It was, like, this um, queer person that looked to be a woman was, like, crying into her phone camera saying that a man in the street had just said to them... I can't wait until we're allowed to hunt you down, which is awful, mm. absolutely awful. And to me, it's really reminiscent of the kind of talk that I absolutely was witness to, you know, in my teen years and mm. in the 20th century mm. in like blue collar arenas. You'd really hear that kind of like violent language. Mm. But when I, as soon as I saw that, I was like, well, this is where, you know, this taking of a mile this kind of gaining an inch and taking of a mile mm. from the so-called queer community, that's where it's kind of leading. Yeah. Because it's now, it's like they're a bunch of libertines and they're, it's affecting like children. Yes. And so there's, you know, there's these genuine threats now coming from like the queer faction mm. that will erode the rights that have been won. Mm. Um. So on that, I mean, I just wanted to say that growing up as a gay person, like that was difficult, of course, 
it's it remains difficult like heteronormativity annoys the shit out of me i i yeah. have to deal with it all the time yeah and sure. it's it's quite lonely and like see, sometimes you got to come out all the time yeah 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 um and you know there was a time i think when again like this trajectory that we were on in terms of like social evolution was you know there was a lot of really good stuff being undone mm. um but you know as an individual as a gay person like you know that's that's your like hero's journey that's your burden that yeah. you're born with yeah and you struggle through such things to rise yes and you come out of it successful or or you don't like mm. But it's, that's the individual's journey. You know, in the 20th century, I, I used to reflect on a lot in my 20s. Like, gays were absolutely, like, demonized in mainstream culture. Mm. Well, you were like, in the AIDS thing was still... Would you attribute that to part of the demonization of gay people because yeah, of the well, fear associated with AIDS and... Yeah, I don't know about that. Yeah, okay. But, I, like, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think in Australia that I really experienced much the AIDS hangover, but it was part of the kind of um, absolute embedded homophobia that existed yeah. in, like, everyone, yeah. everyone my age. Yeah. Um, that, you know, dirty poofs. Mm. Like, yeah. Because, of, because AIDS was, like, this kind of, you know, it affected... As a result of like you know lifestyles, etc. Um, but there was also you know something that I used to reflect on was um, you know in in like movies, particularly like um, animated stuff, but also generally like you'd have like all the villains were always like queer, right? They were always like these yeah. misfits with, and they were weirdos, yeah. And that like so I think there was heaps of like embedding of like. The queer villain. Have you got an example of a villain like that? Just out of curiosity, like. Oh, I reckon Ursula's like oh, a big. She was front of my les. mind. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, or um, like Cruella Deville. Yeah. But I think of those as also being representative of like dark feminine too. So, but yeah. Anyway, continue. Um. Sorry to. That's right. Muck up, yeah. So. Yeah, I, I actually think that a lot of the progress that was made and kind of really started to show in the 21st century mm. that came from like grassroots, yeah, like gay communities like binding together and like moving into the political sphere and mm. like you're really arguing for more rights, equality. and But it's, yeah, you know, it's, it's so, it's awful to think that people like Corey Bernardi, I don't know if you remember that conservative prick. Yes, I how, do. You know, he, used, he made the argument that, well, if you let him get married, then people are going to want to start marrying their dogs. And, mm. you know, so he's making this kind of argument that it encourages perversion or sure. like it normalizes perversion. Mm. In a way, he was right. Yeah. Not in that way. People aren't trying to marry their animals, but they are trying to like queer children yeah. inject and it's like i i actually think that in you know sex education when that is taught to children and i think it probably should start it i don't i mean you got kids what do you think well i don't actually think they've started teaching them like my oldest is just turned 11 year five yeah and i don't think she's received right so maybe any. about 12 
let's say 12 that you start sex I don't, I would I don't say think I, earlier I would say well, I, I would, would think whenever, she would have yeah but anyway whenever yeah whenever but it's deemed appropriate yeah we should in that space you should talk about homosexuality yes and take a measure of like normalizing it yeah. that like it happens yeah. this is the odds of it in Australia 6% of people are gay Okay, I, so you might know someone. Yeah. Could be your uncle. Yeah. Could be your neighbor. Yeah. You know, and this is, but I don't think that you need to start in preschool with like pick your own gender and don't tell your parents. Yeah. Anyway, we've been into that and. Yeah, it's I very guess interesting. And Ultimately, I would just say that, you know, there is, there's a war on the individual that's happening mm. and everywhere I look that gets reinforced. So the the war on the individual is really I I am learning more that it is absolutely on your physical health because heaps of food is becoming nutritionally void. I think actually probably like GMOs and fertilizers even are really designed to kind of sap nutrition from mm. food. Yeah. Um of course like our mental well-being is under attack. Also, you know, if you put your tin foil hat on, years ago they used to say things like uh, 4G towers, four, let alone 5G towers, but 4G towers, mm. modems in your house, mm. radio waves generally will affect your like biorhythms, mm. your hormones, mm. things like that. And now they just put them out in the front of people's houses. So like the, the war on the person is absolutely being scaled up and we're being kind of ushered into these groups. So people want to pick a group that they, where they feel safe, where they're Everyone looks like them. They can identify with that group. Mm. And that's, I think, how like civilization, I would say society, but I th it's broader than society. And I don't like that word anymore. It's, civilization is being dismantled mm. via this war on the individual and then ushered into groups. And then the groups all turned on each other. Mm. And I, I think that's what's happening. You yeah. know, there's, you know, Black Lives Matter, all that kind of, like lib the rise of the Woke. small L liberal mm. is about d dividing people. So, and, you know, I think ultimately I'm, can we go into climate change? Because I find myself posing views on climate change and feeling really opposed to people who hold other views on climate change. Mm. And then I kind of have to navigate that. Mm. Um, but I think that that's, you know, that's another issue where, there's there's two ways you can go on it. You're either for it or against it kind mm. of thing. Yeah. There's no like articulation in that. You mm. can't say, well, yep, there's no doubt that climate change is happening. It's like we've, if you believe that, then you're obliged to feel guilty, mm. move your energy over to renewables, buy an electric car. Like you have to do these things or else you're not on the team. Yeah. You cool to talk about climate change? Well, yeah. Sure, you can talk because I haven't prepared anything on climate change. I've got a few thoughts about it. but mm. Yeah, well, I'd like to hear your thoughts. Um, I guess like we don't really need to reference that. You know, I mean, I, I actually searched on the internet for some articles about how hot it is in Europe at the moment yeah, okay. and how cold it is in mm. Australia. But you can find those. I Somehow I couldn't really turn up any credible shit. Yeah, okay. <laughs> this article came up from the New York Times from June 24th and I, I thought it was really I took a piece quote to have a heat wave we need the heat and we need the atmospheric circulation pattern that allows the heat to accumulate 
said Daniel Horton, a climate change scientist at Northwestern University. With global warming, he said, we're definitely getting more heat. End of quote. (laughs) (laughs) And then the person writing... Lucky we've got a scientist to quote. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and then the, the person writing the article said, but climate change may also be affecting the way this heat is distributed around the world by globe circling air currents. It's like, okay, are we still are we still trying to formulate the science? Are we still <laughs> are there people who are not convinced? there are people who are not convinced cuz I'm kind of one of them. Yeah, well, like, some I like to stay open-minded to possibilities, but what concerns me is yeah, like the melting glaciers Tundra, well, mate, you know, that's happening. There's no, I know. That's the thing. I know. Like, that's, it's so record that's, hot in the Arctic. Yeah. So and it has been year glaciers. after year after year. And say goodbye to polar bears and, you know, like the whole thing is, you know, basically hanging by a thread really. Probably holidaying down at Antarctica in our lifetime. Yeah. <laughs> On the beach at Antarctica. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I've mentioned before, I think, about, you know, some – Scientists say that we're due for our ice age, so well, it, my my uh, thinking is that maybe the whole thing's going to balance out. I remember looking eternally at optimistic those propaganda docos made in the early two thousands by what's his name, stupid Democrat. Um. Oh uh, yeah, Al Gore. Yeah, man, bad pig. Um, he, you know, he. Sh- I remember him showing that this is what happens. Mm. Like this all melts. And then we get a new ice age. I was like, well, that'll be right, won't it? Yeah. And I think that because, yeah, obviously it's very hot up north at the moment. And also like the alpine regions of Australia are completely frozen. Yeah. Like you can't ski there at the moment because it's too cold. It's colder than it's ever been. So, you know, is it the eastern seaboard of of Australia that's going to be the new Greenland? (laughs) Yeah. It's kind of like cause and effect and action well, consequence. That's the it's, thing it's that things. I want to say. And I is... think that scientists talk this shit and it's not just scientists, it's the people that pay the scientists. Yeah. Klaus Schwab and his friends. Yeah. That they have this nefarious threat of like we have to tax climate change mm. because that will fix it. It's actually just more enslavement. Where like we don't know the results of what it, you can't actually a lot of scientists say that we don't know. And that's the bottom line, I reckon, is that, you know, judging by that quote, <laughs> that incredibly insightful, you know, eloquent you must write quote. write for like, Kamala Harris. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Over the passage of time. Yeah, she, uh, it's, we don't know anything. We actually don't know. And I don't think scientists know. I think so much of it is, I mean, all of it is uncharted territory and... We have actually no idea what's going to happen, Mm. no matter what the models might suggest Mm. or, you know, all of that is just so speculative and really theoretical. And It gets moralized though, this uh, issue. That's the crazy thing, right? And moralism is increasingly to me just like, I mean, I say this like it's, I've been aware of the scourge that is moralism on our planet increasingly over the recent years but now i'm just getting to the point of like oh my eyes are crossed it's like people are have lost the plot when it comes to the moralizing tone taken with absolutely everything and the 
Yeah. So like inaction on climate change is immoral. Like you say, like you have to sign up for renewables or you're not on the team. So, but renewables, like that in itself, is a flawed solution. Oh, and I'm well, not on saying... that, like this, I came across a TED talk. Remember TED talks? I love TED talks. <laughs> I'm there watching? all the time. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I haven't seen one in like a year, but um, it's one from San Antonio Uni or something. Um, this guy Graham Conway, he's a principal engineer at the Southwest Research Institute in Texas. He does this TED talk on the electric vehicle. And he argues, he puts up graphs and, you know, it's very clear, makes it super simple. He argues how electric vehicles, they're, they're kind of marketed as zero emissions, mm. but the emissions that go into producing, like... Batteries and... Building the car in general yes. is like, it's twice as much as a regular car. Yeah. So it takes, it's over 90,000 miles until they generally pay off. And then... I actually was going to play the audio, but I won't because he he talks quite slow. He goes on to say that that's the model of an electric car that does two hundred miles mm. to a, a in its range. Americans want six hundred miles in their range of electric vehicles, right. and you can do that. But the battery, you know, the resources that go into it are double again. At so least. it takes. It's like I've got it there. anyway. It's it's about double. It's yeah. about one hundred and eighty thousand miles before the vehicle pays like is equal and most people don't so it's just there's this like in like this individual kind of like moral thing of like i drive an electric car i know yeah because it's zero Mm. emissions like also that's not even factoring in that like you're still getting your energy for that vehicle from coal that's right still plugging it in (laughs) and with solar it's like because i got a thing in the mail the McGowan government sent out this thing saying, did you get it? Saying no, that Collie Power Station will be shut down by 2030. Yes. Well, Carl was made aware of that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So it's, and in that we're moving to renewables. Mm. It's like, is that democratic? Mm. I, I wouldn't vote for that. Yeah. And when does the solar pay off? Mm. Like what, it, because I personally, I you know, the argument that I would make is that Australia's impact from our energy use can be offset by reforestation yeah. and deforestation. Yeah. Leave the tar kind alone mm. and let's just keep burning coal. Or actually what I would genuinely argue for is because someone's reinvented the nuclear reactor mm. okay. on a, a small scale. Right. Because did you know in a pellet this size, size of a gummy bear mm. of uranium, there's it's something like 14,000 barrels of oil. Right. energy in mm. like one pellet so you know there's there's been despite the lack of funding and like innovation into nuclear technology there is a few people a few groups who have been really developing it mm. there's this south african company who have developed a nuclear reactor that they say is meltdown proof i know we've heard that before sure. but it's it's very small scale so you mm. kind of have more of them littered across like a not a city even, like a state. Mm. And that's zero carbon. Yes, it's incredibly cheap, incredibly efficient. Yeah, I'm not sold by any 
means on nuclear, but well, I'm open to considering Because nuclear is this terrifying it. word that, yeah, yeah. oh my God, 50,000 well, people have died. Well, but I just think like it wasn't long ago. <laughs> Fukushima wasn't very long ago. There's well, so many there? things. Be- well, it's still spewing nuclear waste into the and ocean. And what's happened? Yeah, well, we don't really know yet. <laughs> when will we know? I don't know. It's, I yeah. mean, that's I the mean, thing. Yeah, it's, it's a like good this question. fear-mongering. Yeah. It's like perfect for sure. big coal or for... Big solar that yeah. nuclear energy yes. is so dangerous and it Good fails all the argument. time. Yeah. It's anyway. Yeah, no, it's definitely worth considering and I I'm certainly not sold on renewables either because I've learned, you know, a little bit about them in recent years and see that they are absolutely flawed, like know, unsustainable, really, because of the energy required to go into the production of renewables in the it's like, it just doesn't make any oh, sense. It's like a false mining, economy, and it's yeah. like, yeah, it's yeah. it's actually pretty gross the way that it's modelled on this, like, or you know, elevated to this moral high ground as though. Yeah. It's wrapped in a beautiful green dress. Yeah. <laughs> um, but there's these elephants in the room in these discussions. Like Tesla discovered free energy, right? Mm. Those patents exist. The technology exists. I saw on, I think, YouTube the other day. As in Tesla, the company, not Tesla. Nikola Tesla. Nikola Tesla. Okay. <laughs> so because I saw on like YouTube the other day, this a clip came up. It was this like 12-year-old kid that had made for a science project. He was like, oh, yeah, he used nikola tesla's technology he made he lit up a light bulb using nothing like a coil that picked up energy out of the air and he said out of the air Mm. he said it was sound waves he said it's sound waves that move through the air that light up the bulb yeah so actually (laughs) there's way we absolutely have had and still possess the potential to have Free energy. And we've had the wool pull, pulled It's about enslavement. Yeah. Same as the hydrogen-powered car. Yeah, that technology is like 20 years that. old now. And still, there's still, even like our uncle Phil Bellamy, mm. he's still into like hydrogen. Yeah. Like having a hydrogen-powered car. It's, it's absolutely possible. They have these fuel cells, buses, even he, like here in Perth in our capital city, you have hydrogen buses. Yeah. Like, why, why is that not technology? Because you're using water from the tap yeah. to... <laughs> so, you know, there's th- it's about enslavement. It's about guilt. Mm. It's about, like, the, the dirty human, the cancer on the earth. And there's yeah. no solution. It's like penance. Yeah. Well, all of that, as you say, keeps us enslaved. Leads me into Dutch farmers protesting. Oh, yeah. Um, because it seems like, you know, they're protesting legislators voting to reduce cattle per acre. Mm. Um, reducing overall land use for farming. It's currently 85% in the Netherlands. They want to reduce it to 50%. Um, and they're increasing, absolutely increasing tax and fuel on yes. fertilizers. Yeah. Um, so, and it's in the name of climate change. Yes, absolutely, that's what I the heard, legislators yeah. say it's about curbing climate change. Well, they want to reduce their fertilizer usage to reduce the impact on climate change and environmental, yeah. So I saw Fox News, you know, they did quite a, they're quite radical, <laughs> those people. Fox Australia, it's pretty hilarious. But they spoke with a guy from the Netherlands, Vitsi Sonema, is from the Agricultural and Horticultural Organization. He described it as an attack on farming, but also an attack on the economic, social and cultural fabric of the Netherlands, which it, it seemed, because they produce almost entirely it's like ninety percent or something. They produce their own food. They're more right. or less self-sufficient because yeah, okay. they do heaps of greenhouses. Mm-hmm. 
So they can pretty much grow anything. Yeah. A lot of it's organic, like especially with the greenhouses. Um, so they're quite a self-sufficient and, and they're like, they're quite proud of that. Mm-hmm. Um, farming is, and like land use is absolutely part of their history and yeah. their like absolute cultural fabric, as you yeah. said. He said the public support has been incredible. And mm-hmm. some of the footage that I've seen, you know, there's people going out to, it's like it was in Canada. Mm. It's people going out to like celebrate the yeah. protests. Um, no one's annoyed that they like can't get to work, that the motorways are shut down. And yes, and as I mentioned before we started, I think that the the protests have now spread across Europe, Italy, Poland, Spain, Germany, mm. all yes. joining the protests in their capitals. Amazing. Mm. Yeah, no, it's inspiring, that whole thing. Mm. I hope we see more and more of it. Yeah, well, I think, I'm not sure if I had hit record yet, but, um, you know, I think with what we're talking about on this podcast, essentially, like that we're at this end of an era turning Mm. point, Mm. like climate change is, it's kind of like all these things are connected. Yes. By this or, I mean, by the human experience. And there's there's a clear shadow and there's this dark force that's trying to like oppress so there's this so it's actually pretty cool it is i i don't um know if i can agree that there's a dark force trying to oppress but i know that a lot of people relate to that and i definitely understand that um, sometimes I can definitely feel that sense that it's like this battle between good and evil or light and dark. But I always end up coming back to the sense that we really have to carry both the light and the dark. And yes. that the oppressive forces exist within each of us and that we have to contend with those on a personal, individual level and that the more individuals who do that, the less we will see the oppressive, you know, in the world around us. And, you know, I mean, it's obvious that people like Klaus Schwab and Bill Gates, should I say it's obvious? I mean, seems to me they're not really doing their work, their shadow work. <laughs> Very caught up in their saviour complexes or whatever. But, um, yeah. And I guess it's a frustrating position for some to listen to me keep coming back to, but I think you know that's where that's all where we've got really is to just continually work within our own lives to be more whole people. Mm. Yes, well, I I'm doing this course at the moment called Rise Above the Herd, and they. <laughs> it's all about shadow work. Yeah, right. And yeah, Joel Rafiti, who is one of the guys running the course, he's like, shadow work is a lifelong commitment. It's, yeah. It's, it is, it's never over. And it is the, it's your like mission. Yeah. <laughs> and it's rewarding because within the shadow exists so much power. Mm. And until we're willing to go into that terrain where we can't see <laughs> and we're not even willing to, you know, consider that some of the responsibility may lie with us, that kind of like scapegoating others and pointing the finger and blame storming and all of that. Um, 
we are unable to access that power that exists in our own personal shadow, mm. not to mention the collective, which is, you know, equally the case. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I listening to a lot of what you said, I, I really liked the point that Tim Dillon made was um, how the non-binary gender divide, war, whatever you want to call it, um, has possibly come out of, you know, like a, a way of avoiding being labelled as part of the group of oppressors. Yes. You know, like we're looking for a way to be less oppressor, more oppressed. Yeah. <laughs> like we want to be the victim rather than the... <laughs> so and it like takes the heat off a bit and we're like... <laughs> in that interview, to... which it's episode 204 on the Tim Dillon podcast, okay. if anyone's interested on okay. Spotify, they kind of spend a bit of time on that idea, which I would... I mean, I would absolutely recommend listening to it because yeah. that comes up. And yeah. How... yeah, well, I think that's a brilliant, you know, assessment of that and I'd never really thought of it that way before, but it really resonates. Like it feels like that's so a part of it. And, you know, I was thinking about that. Um, I think I wrote for the new moon um, around the Roe versus Wade, you know, the hysterical kind of backlash around that. Um, it's like part of the glamour of being oppressed of being a victim of being like mm. you know the virtuous oppressed <laughs> it's like yeah. there's something that like it's quite neptunian in tone that's part of the neptune shadow and it's very interesting to observe it from the astrological point of view in america at the moment with roe v wade as a good you know example of it because at the same time as it's Pluto's um, return for the US chart, it's also the Neptune opposition. So it's like this opportunity to look at both the Plutonian shadows and all the power and control, you know, aspects of Pluto as a energy, as an energy, and then Neptune being like the illusions that we're under. Right. And like, yep. you know, having like projections and you know, figuring out delusions what it is. of grandeur. At, well, delusions of all kinds. Sure, yeah, yep. yep. Grandeur and all the other types too. It's like oppression. <laughs> yeah, delusions yeah, of oppression. Yeah, yeah, which like is so victim. comes back to like these. As Tim Dillon said, it's like they go to kind of high tier universities. They're white suburban kids, and yeah. oh, they are so oppressed. Yeah. Well, that. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Because it's so uncomfortable to always be told about your white privilege. No, I, I mean. They're the ones reinforcing. Sure. That, like, but it's they're also not, they're not oppressed. No, but, but just to like empathize with that position though, because I know that I've felt like, you know, wrangling with my own white privilege. It's like, but people are still people. Like, every, everyone's got their bug to bear or mm. burden to bear, you know, like, ev including middle class white kids who attend really good universities. So, you know, it's not – and that's, I think, the white privilege um, argument that, yeah, it has its own, obviously, a huge mountain of issues within that. But, um, yeah, it's – there's something very dark and sinister about that whole idea too. And I, that's what I wonder about, like, how much, you know – of this is actually being done consciously by like dark forces, as you said, and something I was reading. Being engineered. Or... Yeah, like because I, 
read this cool George Orwell quote, the most effective way to destroy people is to deny and obliterate their own understanding of their history, Mm. which is like it sort of speaks directly to the whole woke movement and the whole um, like how they just want to tear down Mm. structures and like the civilization from which we've all benefited and survived, you know, all of that. Um, Well, it reminds me of a lot of like 1984 that I'm currently reading. Yeah, I was going to see if you finished it. It does, yeah, it does away with like any, you know, characters in that have no conception of the past. Yeah, and it's been done to them, like that's been orchestrated. And that's what is, you know, I go back and forth on this all the time internally of whether this has been like an installation, like the woke seed was planted purposefully to, yeah. you know, because well, Dinesh it Dinesh D'Souza people. would, he would argue that. Right. That it, you know, it's been slowly chipping away yeah. for, since um, the Second World War. Yeah. And right. it was part of, you know, because Operation Paperclip has been proven yeah. that, you know, the US got all of those Nazi scientists out of Germany. They didn't have to face the repercussions. Mm. They just went and started working for the, you know, NASA yep. and CIA, what became CIA, stuff like that. Yeah. But also, I mean, definitely it's proven that the CIA have had a big hand in, um, you know, shaping culture in certain ways. They've yeah. absolutely been linked to like, um, you know, well, selling crack on this, literally yeah, on the streets. Yeah, that was very and sad. Fun, funneling money into that. like hip hop mm. and rap, mm. absolutely. And I mean, therefore, why shouldn't those tentacles reach into, as Dinesh D'Souza says, into the universities? Yeah. Same thing. Well, it has had such an incredibly potent effect on society. Like in the last, you know, 10 years in particular, you can really it's, see it. It's really grown. It's yeah. really kind of... And through COVID, it's just like gone on steroids. Yeah. It's like safetyism and all of that. It's gone... Sorry, can the... I just add... I wanted to say before with moralism around climate change mm. and Dinesh D'Souza, he does a, an amazing subversion of that. Um, and if you just look up Dinesh D'Souza climate change sure. on YouTube, it'll mm-hmm. actually, he, a few of his arguments come up. Um, and, he, you know, he says, for example, like he's from India. India is, you know, so impoverished that many people there starve to death. But cheap fossil fuel driven energy Mm. has allowed to bring like hundreds of millions of people up from starvation into having one or even two meals a day Mm. because it makes the cost of living more affordable. Yeah. So then bring your morals to that. Yeah, that's right. And he, and he he extends that across like in Brazil, Brazil is lifting itself out of poverty and it needs timber it needs meat Mm. it needs industry so and you know in his book that i read when you know angela merkel attacked bolsonaro Mm. for she's like you know the world the world needs the amazon like stop chopping it down he was like well why don't you reforest your own country Mm. like we have not germany did super well to cut down all their forests look at them Mm. global fucking leader Mm. what about brazil like you want you want to tell Brazilian people that they have to live in poverty because mm. you don't want the Amazon cut down. Mm. 
And it, so there is, and I mean, of course, we don't want the Amazon cut down. No, and that's what but, he's doing there in, on a vast but scale. I'm not sure but about the vastness of the scale. Sure. Because well, we don't actually have a genuine lens into it. Yes. Bolsonaro, I mean, I've met Brazilians who are like, thank God for Bolsonaro. Yeah. Like things well, are just so much better Well, similar to Trump, isn't it? It's like that same kind of, you know, people on the ground Populism actually benefit well, from the policies yeah. brought forward by people who are courageous enough to do that kind of stuff. And whether it's courage, I know you could certainly argue all day about, you know, what it actually is all about. And ultimately none of us really know, but yeah, it, it's definitely difficult to talk about it without knowing. And I don't know enough, but I know I saw, you know, footage of the burning Amazon a couple of years ago. As a child. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's always been, it's been like Greenpeace's number one. Yeah. It's funny, I saw a Greenpeace ad the other day and it made me like, for the first time in my life, I felt quite embarrassed that I still support them. And like, yeah. You still support them? I do. I still have a... They're a corporation. Yeah, and I've really moved away from charitable support of all kinds. But That's Greenpeace virtue is, signaling. <laughs> Greenpeace has just hung on there. That's strange. And it's because when I – yeah, I mean, I don't even think about it anymore, to be honest. And the last time I rang them to say I needed to stop, they just guilted me. <laughs> they were like, oh, can you just reduce it? <laughs> you don't take yeah. it away. <laughs> That's what they but, do. Yeah, and but I tricks. have basically stopped supporting all chari- charities, you know, since I haven't been making You're just paying regular CEOs income. and stuff, aren't you? Well, I that's mean. the thing. And I, I mean, I can't believe I was so naive for so long. I used to give so much of my income away to charities thinking it was wow. the right thing to do. And it's like, man, you idiot. You idiot. Could have done heaps better with that money. Sorry, I keep... <laughs> Keep bogarting. No, what does that mean? <coughs> oh, just, just hogging the, just laying back, hogging the conversation. That's okay. Um, go on. It's meant to be an astrology podcast, after all. Oh well, no, not necessarily. Have you finished? Pretty much. Uh, well, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I just had some notes about Boris Johnson's resignation. Yes. Um. And I guess we can enter the political sphere because... Yeah, maybe we should. I mean, Sri Lanka's pretty interesting too, but I, it's, there's not really much to say except that, you know, it's as with many things crumbling before our eyes um, and protesters are saying, like they're demanding the resignation of the leaders mm. who in their view have caused the downfall of their country mm. um, and who else could you blame? Um, and, you know... At the risk of, and similar, you know, with the Shinzo Abe assassination, um, the former Japanese prime minister who was shot with a homemade gun a few days ago, and the resignation of BJ. What do you think about Shinzo Abe? Oh, well, I don't know enough to comment really, but I was just doing a little bit of research around him. He's a... um, the longest serving, yeah, the longest serving prime minister Japan's ever had, um, right-wing nationalist. He is criticised for his engagement in what's called historical negation negationism. Oh, he denied like the 
the comfort women? Yes. Um, and some say is basically blind to Japan's war crimes of the past. Yeah. Um, and New York Times said about him that he's a, he was, um, they haven't said this since his assassination, I'm sure no one would be so insensitive now, but a threat to American-Japanese relations, um, which made me think, oh, maybe. Yeah, good man. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's why they get rid he of him, isn't it? He seems pretty popular. Like <laughs> yeah, well, I think he was with Japanese people yeah. and probably for good re- He wrote a really popular book, like a best-selling book. Um, so I think he was quite inspiring and that sort of thing. He's got a very interesting chart and it was very activated, unsurprisingly, um, at the time of his death. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I get the whole, at the risk of oversimplifying everything back to the same fundamental thing, which is what I, I can't help but do that in a way because I just see this kind of, all of it is, you know, exposure of the unravelling collapse and failure of corrupt systems. Sure. Um, it, yeah, it's just time after time, just this kind of revelation, which I have to go and have a look at revelations in the Bible because people say that that's very... Um, Telling? A propose for now, yeah. Okay. Like it kind of was the prophecy for perhaps the times we're living through. And it certainly is like revelation of the human shadow to me. It just And, you know, that is right on time for the turning of the ages where Jung suggested that we would have to come to terms with our light and dark and, you know, that's, that's the work. And it's just on in every single headline. It's like how can we continue to ignore it? Mm. And for those who... I mean, I'm sure most people will continue to ignore it, but for those of us who are aware of it, I think, you know, the world may, I don't know how it's going to look, but it may in some sense kind of split into two types of people in the way that, and you were talking about like the division caused by having all these tribes and groups, Mm. you know, you identify with a certain group and then you fight the other groups. And I think, you know, that gets... um, turned into a negative quite often and of course there's lots of negative consequences for that but as well I do believe that it's important to be involved in the conflict in a very real kind of felt sense not to have like real not to end relationships but to have relationships in spite of having disagreement and discord between us Mm. Um, I think, you know, we still have to hold on ultimately to the fact that we're all human and we do live on one planet, <laughs> no matter how we want to divide it conceptually mm. into like all different kinds of groups. We are still all human beings and we still have to cohabit um, to some extent. So, and yeah, I mean, we could all get nuked off the map in a second. That's another good reminder. <laughs> what, why do you say that? Well, just because of, you know political things being the way they are with Russia and Russia I'm not saying Russia would necessarily do that but they could do that they're well and truly armed to the teeth as of the US as of others Mm. Um, I guess the threat of this kind of thing keeps us on our toes doesn't it 
Yeah, and I'm sure that, yeah, I mean, then we're living in fear and we're much easier to control. There's that aspect to it. And then, but I take it as being like a positive in the sense that nothing is certain and we have to like come to terms with that. Like we're always hanging by a thread. Mm. That's always the way. You could have like a jet engine fall on your house like Donnie Darko. (laughs) yeah anything could happen at any time and you know that's not a thing to like live in anxiety about and be constantly like on edge it's like well make the most of the life that you've got did you what did you want to say about bojo (laughs) um right what did i want to say well uh, just interesting to hear different people's thoughts about it lots of people say he was incompetent like that's mostly what seems to be it's like being celebrated, it seems, that he's gone. Okay, yeah. But some people are more supportive of him and more gentle. And I heard Freddie Sayers from Unheard say, um, he said something like he was chucked out uh, three years after a huge win in the election for being a bit shit. And that's a very, you know, like a wishy-washy reason to throw him out. Like for like some people say he's a liar too, like that's a common criticism, but it's like show me a politician who's not lying. I think there was some disgrace after the revelations of the partying. Partygate, I know, party but... It, I mean, it's it's just a everyone manifestation was doing of the it's failure of... The system. The system, I suppose. And that's and what I mean. And he's like it's... a scapegoat. Um, yeah, yeah. They haven't been able to... I mean, I think since Brexit, it's just been so divided over there and it's mm. divided publicly and, you know, internally within the parties. They're mm. just... I think, you know, Tories ain't Tories, the same as our Liberals. They're no. not all aligned either. And that's the anantiodromia and right thing. of the... Yeah, it's so. just a, such a big muddle now. Nothing really makes any sense and no one's really clear about what they're doing, but the whole thing is just corrupt. Yeah, yeah. And to me, that's Eris. That's the Eris thing, exposing all of that corruption and the holes in everything that need to be exposed so that we can hopefully come together and rebuild something and if not, I mean, that seems like a long way off. And that was another interesting commentary I heard about his departure was that, or like his time as leader of Britain is that he was really good at like bringing in Brexit was one thing, like mm. getting that through. Got it done. He did. And that may be his legacy. And perhaps, and when I looked at his chart, actually, it was really interesting because that may well, like he served his purpose. Right in the sense of bringing Brexit to... But it it was also called by a couple of people a failed revolution. Like his, yeah. And so he sort of demolished what was British politics in a sense and then left nothing in its wake. Like he didn't really have like a vision, some people say. But, so, yeah. I mean, and, but that, that was what the public kind of voted for. That's what Brexit was. It yeah. Was, and when, I mean, looking at his chart, he was a Gemini, he's very mutable kind of energies. So he represented, I thought it was really interesting hearing people talk about how he represented different things to different people. And that's such a mutable thing. Like mm-hmm. you can like have that capacity to like show up. It's like ephemeral and like unpin downable. You can't actually define yeah, exactly what he was and perhaps he inwardly can't articulate specifically a vision because mm. he's just i mean yeah i'm not super familiar with him i know he was the mayor 
of London for, and he's very was he a Rhodes Scholar. Maybe I mean he's he was born in New York, which I thought was anyway. He's obviously come from money and yeah. yeah you can, I, I enjoyed like Trump. I enjoyed his presence. Yeah, when I like that bombast that, and the like messy hair and all that. Yes, like, and like that his <laughs> bumbling nature of <laughs> yeah. buffoonery. Oh, <laughs> Boris, old oh, boy. Yeah, <laughs> that's. Got us a G and T. And now we've lost Scomo too. It's like oh, we're losing all the like dickhead leaders. It's and they're being yeah, they're ushered in with like I don't know. I I personally I thought when he stood when I heard I was like oh no doubt like he can't be bothered. Who would want that job? No shit. Got, like, no one wants to see the this UN thing through. breathing down oh your neck. Oh my god. With, Unless you're really prepared to take a stand and you're supported I by, you know. I think he's so, dodged a bullet. I think it's yeah. just in time. But um, as someone said, and I don't even know if it was in relation to this particular issue, but it's just like a different train driver. Same trajectory. Yeah. yeah. It's, like, it's like. Who wants to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nothing's actually going to. same gonna direction. Ch- like, same as like Albanese and ScoMo. It's like just yeah. a new dickhead. Well, that, um, <laughs> you posted on Facebook that interview with your John Pilger. Yeah. Yeah, that was quite cool. And he he said that of Australian politics. Mm. Well, I think it was with regard oh, to it foreign was policy specifically. That's right. The question. That's right. That's where but it came from. But he was like from. it's just a a new leader with the same old policy. <laughs> yes. It's, that's right. And America, I mean we're led by America. Australia just follow America, which is He seemed to think that Albo wasn't doing anything regarding Assange. Yeah. 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 And that just remains like he's just being left to rot in a hole. Yeah, I don't know what Albanese's going to do there, but I wish he would do what's right. Anyway, that word right is so loaded now and I hate using it. Yeah. Because what's right anyway. Yeah. I'm trying <laughs> to take to words say? out of my vernacular. Yeah, it's... um. Uh, and that reminds me that you were going to say something about Elon Musk because him and Assange have such similar charts. But um, well, yeah, I didn't really have anything to say other just than that he was pulling out of pulling Twitter. out of Twitter. Which it's like, why did that happen? And is that because Jordan kinda, Peterson got cancelled? Um, he's just given up the. It's well, if you ask Musk, what he says is that um, it's because Twitter have been very evasive of proving that. You know, half of their usership is not bots, right? And they, you know, they avoid the question, and then they give a little bit of info. And so, from a business perspective, like it's not worth what he offered mm. if it's only got half the engagement that it appears to. Yes, it's but it's not it, the village square. Yeah, and I guess that's because he wasn't using his own money to buy it. He mm. was like borrowing most of the money to do that so Mm. it has there has to be a business case um but it's kind of disappointing because i think twitter with less regulation i think the world was ready for it like it wasn't going to just descend in because you know if people say well hate speech and Mm. you know death threats and things like that so i think we've grown up a little bit collectively since then we because you know the internet was new once Mm. and we had this kind of opportunity to just be like faceless trolls yeah but i think 
people are kind of over that now. I don't know. I think there are a lot of faceless trolls yeah. still out there, but I don't really encounter them very often. But I do see them occasionally, like looking on comments. On I, You know where I've seen it the most disturbingly was like bitch shoot. Whoa, yeah, the comments are, right? are, yeah, got ri- like it well, actually did my head in a bit. Probably you've Sorry, got... Sorry, shoot if you were listening. A lot of, <laughs> lot of kind of, um, yeah. And less censorship. Like, is yeah, there less policing like, of no it? there's no policing like, over there. That's kind so. of the, the thing, isn't it? It's like, well, if you can You look have... at the usership, you know, it's very... There'd be a huge redneck component over sure. there. Sure, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I wonder what Rumble's like. I don't engage yeah, with Yeah, well, I can't look at Rumble comments because I'm not a oh, yeah, yeah, subscriber. Right. Yeah. But, yeah, it's – that is, you know, and we've spoken about this before, like that if you elevate free speech, you're doing so at the cost of other things. So, like, you know, the safety of, like, online spaces potentially yeah. – um, but, you know, I say safety in kind of quotes because it's like, really? And like you can turn it off. And But that's not to say that people should be, you know, death threats and trolling each other. It, it's not cool. But I guess we have to learn. You, you say we're maybe growing up a bit. Well, maybe we are and we certainly will, you would think. Mm. There's got to be like a maturing that happens gradually as we live more and more on the internet, which reminds me of another thing to do with the um, climate change thing. I saw a documentary just by chance last week on Vice about, it was about the COVID, you know, phenomenon Mm. and how there was one person on there whose name I missed, but he was a scientist talking about how we need to, as humans, remove ourselves from wild places and we you know it's like the subtext for this is living inside yes online right yes um and you know that as a you know issue relating to climate change because like what do we think that computers don't run on energy like where do computers come from where are the rare earth minerals that allow for the cables and the you know Mm telecommunications that goes on around the world all the time <laughs> like all of that requires energy doesn't it it's whether it comes from coal so or nuclear i guess you can kind of or... see again like the virtue in mm. being like let's leave the sacred nature alone oh well that's the i know but it's like well that's not it doesn't you don't generate carbon by going for a walk. I mean, you do, but... Well, they're saying for our own good because it came from a bat cave. Oh, I see. And, you know, like there's going to be yes, more of that. that's where diseases and are. We, and yeah, so it's for our own good and it's also for the benefit of the planet and, you know, oh, the non-human the entities and, yeah. So, I mean, you know, there is a good argument for that, but fuck that. Like we're, we are part oh, of nature. I don't think it's a good argument. We're, yeah. <laughs> maybe well constructed (laughs) yeah i can see where people are coming from but i think they need to keep going with their thinking rather than just stop right there because it's not it's not reality you don't want to give up the natural world Mm. to have a simulation of the natural world that Mm. comes from renewable energy sources and you can call yourself a green friendly Woke. Well, I guess you're just crawling into your your capsule, then, aren't you? 
into your ambiotic well, fluid. It's very safe, isn't plug it? Plug in your extraction device. And, and if there's no freedom of speech allowed, you won't even get trolled. We're moving towards the matrix. It, that's what vision I get when I see Well, it's, I mean, it, that, it just reminds me of in that episode when we talked about the metaverse mm. and like how much more... You can move your hands. <laughs> it'll be so much more attractive <laughs> when you actually don't have to like do anything. You can just interact sitting in this chair with a pair of goggles on <laughs> and like all your food and everything will be brought to you. Mm-hmm. Um, we're well over an hour. Yeah. So, give us the Astro. We haven't even talked about that. Oh, no, there's nothing to... No, there's plenty to say about Astro, but like... Coming into a new moon, a full full moon. Full moon, yeah. So, that's the... um, Is it in Sag? Cap. Okay. Capricorn full moon. Look out. um, Which is on Wednesday, 14th of July, um, local time. And it is square to Eris, so I've you know, anticipated through like since the new moon that there would be, you know, an increasing number of like exposures of shadow and certainly has been the case so far. And so we'll see what happens over the next week or so as the moon waxes to fullness and then, you know, the revelations really hit as that moon starts to um, wane a little bit in the days following the actual full moon. Mm. Usually is what I see. So, um, yeah, I think it's interesting times always and stay tuned. Mm. I did, you know, it's been a, the sun is coming to um, alignment with Ceres and I guess maybe I could say something about, yeah, over the weekend the moon crossed the south node and, sort of activated this grand water trine with Ceres and the Sun, the South Node and Neptune that sort of brought up like grief to me. And, I, you know, that's like a theme of the Ceres archetype, um, the loss of innocence and mm-hmm. grief and sort of coming to terms with that grief in some sense or being able to bear the burden of it Um but then realising that we don't have to carry grief alone, you know, that it's actually something that we, when we allow it, it can soften us and keep us connected to the waters of life. But as well, it's we are held by eternal blackness, actually, when you get beyond the atmospheric illusion of blue skies. Mm-hmm. We're always held by... Dark Mother is what I always have in my mind. That Oh, that just know. made me think of CERN. Oh. <laughs> they fired up CERN again. What's CERN? The uh, Hadron Collider. Oh, wow. Oh, that's good. That's good to talk about. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Let's go. Well, go. Yeah, I don't know anything about CERN. Oh, me neither. (laughs) We haven't got anything to say then. I did, you know, I I looked, I did some searching and it's, the shit that comes up is so boring. Yeah. I I mean, I might just reintroduce what, because we talked about it in like the overflow recording. Oh, right. Was it last time we recorded? That, um, you know, they, there was that article in The Guardian from 2016 where they staged a, quote, staged the human sacrifice oh, yeah. 
which is <laughs> such an appropriate thing for CERN to be doing. They they definitely have six 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 in their logo. It's like what? the three. It's like a series of sixes in the logo. Yeah, and you right. know, there's all of. I guess that's like why tinfoil hat is probably that's the evidence that it's sure. You know, and there's plenty of evidence up a portal like to that. hell or whatever. Yeah, yeah, right. But it's it does have it's. <laughs> It's got an interesting kind of alumni, I suppose, like the people that have been, you know, invested in it and mm. whatnot. It's just, I suppose you can accept, like, you know, it's easy to accept that the, I don't know, smashing like particles together in search of quarks yeah. is what they're doing. And that's right. genuine, that, that's genuinely what they're doing. So they're looking for, to like, to find the building blocks of existence. Of, I guess what could possibly go wrong? I yeah. I, is that useful? Is I, that I don't know. Strange. I, I guess that's the investigation. Time, it's where they go with physics, isn't it? I guess. Last time they had it running, which would have been over a year ago now, I guess, or l- last time to my knowledge, I should say. But I remember that they talked about how they broke physics because mm. what they discovered. And I can't remember to articulate it clearly enough here, probably, but it was, it was basically, yeah, things that had been long assumed to be true were disproven, right? Um, and they were fundamental to physics as we knew it. But of course, that you know, it's not like it's headline news or anything. But you know, meanwhile, the whole fabric of reality is morphing. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's interesting in that sense, I think, because it's like, and it, I do think about it in relation to Iris and the dark feminine too, because it does open up this um, portal or like a birth canal of sorts, mm. you know, yeah. <laughs> like something unknown beckons, like, <laughs> um, yeah, anyway, we are living interesting times and. We should probably leave it there. Yeah, okay. We? we um maybe we can talk about CERN more next time. Yeah, I think that'd be great. I've gone I didn't realise that it was going again, so see yeah. what comes out of the full moon these times. Yeah. Oh, they they yeah. might open a black hole and then we might not be here to report. Imagine that. <laughs> That's a black the Simpsons. hole to match the, the one in the Simpsons, like, they had an episode. It was Did a Halloween they? of Horror episode where I think Lisa, like, rallied the town to... They got a an injection of cash from somewhere. She was like, let's make a particle collider. Right. And then, yeah, it opened up a little black hole. That went yeah, I'm going to watch that episode, actually. I just saw a little, a little take <sighs> of it, but it sounds funny. Yes, they're always funny and very astute. <laughs> Um, just, yeah, I don't think I had anything else particularly to say. Thank you, everyone. Yes, thank you for listening. Thank you, Zoe. Thank you, Liam. Enjoy your week. Yes, you too. Both very busy now, aren't we? Yeah. Whereas before it was just one of us. (laughs) Time seems to be speeding up. Mm. Mm. It's the Hadron Collider. It might be, yeah. Play us out. See you next time. (laughs) Peace out.